0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Man, you guys are alive this morning. You are hopping. I tell you what, it's either Jesus or coffee, or probably both. Uh, in that order. We're so glad that you are here again. My name is John. I'm the campus pastor here. And let me just say again, if you are new or visiting with us today, or maybe you've been coming for a while and you're still kind of feeling things out a little bit, let me just say we love it that you're here. Uh, We pray that you feel loved and welcomed uh, in this place, whether you're downstairs or upstairs or in the lobby or where you might be today. It is a good day uh, to be the church. I know uh, some of you maybe that have been coming for a while, you're like, you guys say that Every single week, we believe it's no accident that you're here. Like, we get it already, okay? You know what? It's not for you if you've been here for a long time, okay? It's for those that are coming, and a lot of you, this is your first. I met somebody this morning. It was their very first time here, and we say that every week. When we're praying beforehand with a band, I say, what day is it? And then everybody's kind of trained to say, it is somebody's first day at Hope. And the reason we say that is because there has never been a weekend around here where it's not been somebody's, first day, and that's why we say we believe it's no accident that you're here. Number one, because we have been praying for you, and so when new people show up, we're like, yeah, we kind of expected that because that's what God does. We expect that. And uh, secondly, chances are you are here this morning because somebody invited you. You are here this morning because somebody, whether it was this last week and you're here because they, may or maybe they drug you here this morning against your will, sorry, welcome, uh, or a long time ago, somebody shared their faith with you, and the reason you're sitting here today is because somebody invited you, because somebody made that investment in you. And that's really what this opening little clip was talking about, is the importance of inviting and sharing the gospel. Gospel literally means the good news. And for us, it's the good news, the greatest news of all, uh, of Jesus Christ, life, death, and resurrection, and his love for us, and that he invites us into this eternal life. And so speaking of good news, just to kind of get our, our brainwaves going a little bit uh, this morning, I want you to think for a second, what is the best news that you've heard recently? What is the best news that you've heard recently? Could be uh, a, a birth or an anniversary or uh, somebody got engaged or you got a new job. If you're an Iowa State fan, it's that there's the season's not done yet. That's the best news that you have. Just... Sliding that in there as a Hawkeye fan. Uh, Whatever it is, maybe you got a promotion at work, maybe you got a new job, maybe you got a new car, maybe something great happened in your family. What is the best news that you've heard recently? Just think about that for a second and get that kind of lodged in your brain. The best news. Who doesn't love good news? And so as you're thinking of that, I want you to turn to our scripture reading uh, for today that Mac read for us, page 864. It's Romans chapter 10, so it's going to be way, way, like that far back in your Bible, if you're new to the Bible, about that far back, all right? Page 864, Romans chapter 10 is where we're going to camp out for a little bit uh, today. And if you're new to the Bible, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, is writing to the church in Rome. That's why it's called Romans. It's the letter to the Romans. And so he's writing a letter to these uh, to these Christians and trying to create in them a sense of urgency to share the good news, to invite people into this new thing called following Jesus. And so we pick it up in chapter 10, verse 14, and he says, How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one that they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, and then let's read just that last verse together, what's in the hope blue up there. Let's read it together. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How beautiful are the the feet. Paul is trying to uh, write to a lot of people, imagine this, that have, are hearing the gospel for the first time. The front half of Romans, Paul is writing to these people that are new believers, that are new in their faith, or that they think they know what it means to follow God. Maybe they're former Jews and they're learning what it means now to follow Jesus, that they don't need all the old laws and rituals. And now it says, hey, we're following Jesus because he is the fulfillment of the law but he's creating them in a sense of urgency. Now that you know this, share. And I wonder if Paul was here today, how much more of a sense of urgency that he would have writing and speaking to those of us. Chances are you've read Romans before. Maybe you haven't, but you certainly have a Bible. You probably have six of them at home, right? We have so many Bibles and we spend so little time reading them. That's the amazing thing. But imagine they didn't have the Bible, okay? Paul was writing this letter that would become the Holy Scriptures. Imagine hearing it for the first time, and he's creating us in us this sense of urgency to share. Because let me ask you this. Well, you were thinking about the best news you've heard recently. Go back to that in your mind. Think about that for a second. When you first discovered that good news, okay, you got engaged, you got married, you're going to have a child, you got a promotion at work, whatever it is, something happened in your family. Did you like sit on that for a while and then wait and get around to sharing it? No, right? The first thing that you did was you shared it. You couldn't wait. I remember when Tiffany and I had our first child, we had like a, well, my wife does communications and stuff like that around here, but we had an entire communications plan ahead of time because we knew we were gonna wanna share that. So we had like email templates written up and here's what we're gonna put on Facebook and here's who we're gonna call and in this order and all of that. Because why? Good news is meant to be shared, right? Good news is meant to be shared, not to keep to yourself and so why would it be any different with the gospel why would it be any different with the gospel and that's kind of our focus this week as we wrap up this sermon series we've been in called hope for iowa and if you've been around the last several weeks or if you haven't uh, we've been in this series we talking about what does it look like to not be the church as some sort of stale you know stagnant stuffy institution what would it look like to recapture the true essence of the church that we read about in the scriptures as this movement it's a movement that goes out and it goes into uh, our workplaces like we talked about a couple weeks ago and into our families and and into our schools. We talked about what it would look like to have the hope of Jesus and the Holy Spirit instilled in our kids. And for those of you that are parents, what what does it mean to to extend hope to your kids? To say, we're going to worship every single week together, that the best gift that you can give to your kids, no matter if they're 8 or 18 or 58, doesn't matter what age your kids are of any age You never stop being their parents, and the greatest gift that you can give to them is the hope of Jesus Christ. Is to say, we're going to worship every single week. It's not a choice. This is what we're going to do because this is the best thing that you can do for them if you love them. You're going to instill and give them the gift of your living faith in Jesus Christ, one that doesn't say, well, it's an option this week to follow Jesus, and then the next week you can do whatever you want. No, this is what we do. What does it look like to have the hope of Jesus living out in your everyday life? This is what we do as a family. And this week, we're going to focus on what does it look like to bring that hope to our friends and to our family neighbors. And so you would assume, knowing what we know, we have so many Bibles. There's free ones in the back. You can take one if you want. You have probably six laying around your house. We have the greatest news in the world. And so I am sure that all of us today feel completely comfortable going and sharing that good news and going and sharing our faith and going home after worship today and knocking on our neighbor's door and evangelizing to them. Who's with me? Okay, three of you, okay? So maybe that's why we need the sermon today, right? Not so much. Unfortunately, when we talk about sharing our faith with our friends and our neighbors, there is some baggage that comes along with that. There are some uh, misconceptions that come along with that, and this whole sharing our faith thing, or evangelism is the fancy church word for that, tends to get misunderstood, And I think we talk about sharing our faith and reaching out to our friends and neighbors. There's a couple ditches we can fall into. If you can imagine, you're driving down the road, and there's two extremes. And what we do, usually as Christians, is we swing hard to the left or we swing hard to the right. And we live in one of these two extremes. And the first extreme is maybe where some of you fall, and you're like, no, 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 no. I don't want to be that pushy, judgmental Christian because that's how Christians get a bad rap out there, and I'm not going to fall into that category, so I, I am just not going to do anything at all. I'm not going to be pushy. I'm not going to be judgmental, and some people do fall into that category. They're like, I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to convince people. I'm going to post things online and I'm going to convince people because of my awesome posts that I have and I'm going to change their mind and I'm going to go and debate with people and, and try to convince them. And some of you are like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be hypocritical. I don't want to be judgmental. Who am I to, to, you know, to tell you what you should believe? And I mean, that's, John, that's a quick way to ruin a friendship, you know? Like, if I'm, I'm out, you know, for a drink on Friday night, like, I'm not going to talk about my faith. Like, That's, you know, awkward, you know? Like, I'm not going to... That's a quick way to to make that friendship really awkward. I, I might lose a friend. You know, this isn't in my notes, but quick aside on that. If you have to hide the deepest and truest thing about you and the person that has radically changed your life, if you have to hide that from a friend, it might be worth considering the depth of that friendship. If you're worried about losing them. True friendship is where you can take the mask off and they can take the mask off and say, I'm going to be completely real. Not in a pushy, judgmental way, just this is who I am. This guy named Jesus has changed my life and and faith is a part of my entire life. It's not something I leave at the door on Sunday morning. I mean, it's it's way more important than that. So we don't want to swing to that ditch, but what often happens is for fear of being that pushy, judgmental Christian, What a lot of us do is we swing hard to the other ditch and the other extreme is we do nothing for fear of saying, I I, I don't have this nice rehearsed, you know, religious speech. I'm not a preacher like you. I I wouldn't know what to say. And so in fear of doing the wrong thing, we just do nothing. And we swing to that extreme. And traditionally in the the Lutheran church, not just this one, but worldwide, it's clear that this is the ditch where we find a lot of people. There was a survey done several years ago of of, uh, thousands and thousands of Lutherans uh, in the United States, and there was a recent statistic that said the average Lutheran in the United States invites someone to church once every 30 years. Oh, wow. Once every 30 years. That's not good, people. That's not good. That's like two or three in a lifetime, okay? I know some of you that invited two or three people this week, right? And that's awesome. And thank God that that's not the case uh, here at Hope. I don't believe on a, on a regular basis, and that's good because there's tens and thousands of people that live around you in our neighborhoods that don't know Jesus and don't have a church home, and that's who we're focused on. That's who we want to reach out to, and I praise God that that is certainly not the case for a lot of people here at Hope. In fact, I just talked to a few people this morning that said, and, and I said, oh, is this your first time here? And they said, yeah, my friend invited me. <laughs> We are watching the football game together. We're in PTA together at school. We were sitting on the bleachers together at the football game last Friday night and said, Where do you go to? Ch-? These conversations just come up in everyday, ordinary life. And if that's the case, keep inviting. Keep inviting. Some of you are like, Where there's no, we're we're full. Keep inviting. We're gonna make room. And to give you a little teaser to come back the next couple weeks, you're gonna be here here a little bit. How we're gonna be making more room around here in the next couple weeks. So there's your teaser. Come back for Jesus and a cool announcement in the next couple weeks uh, as well. But we're gonna be making lots more room. So keep inviting. Keep inviting. Keep inviting. If we have the greatest news in the world, keep inviting. Because here's the thing, there's a third way, and it's not that ditch, and it's not that ditch, it's not that extreme, and it's not that extreme. Jesus offers us a third way, and it's called radical invitation. Radical invitation. If you have your uh, Bibles in Romans, turn to the Gospel of John, just for a moment. John chapter 1, and if you have this Bible, the Abundant Life Bible, it's going to be on page 809. 809, the Gospel of John chapter 1. And skip down to verse 35. So this is the story of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was kind of, I guess the best way to, to understand it, he was kind of the opening act for Jesus. If you go to a concert, the headliner has an opening act. John the Baptist is like the opening act for Jesus, okay? So John the Baptist has some followers, and in John chapter 1, verse 35, it says, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. But when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say that, they literally left John the Baptist and they followed Jesus. And then verse 38, turning around... Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Pause there for a second. This isn't in my notes either, but I just thought of this. If you don't read the Bible once in a while and absolutely laugh, something is wrong. Because here's the deal. A lot of people think, oh, what am I going to say to Jesus when I see him face to face someday? What is Jesus going to be like? Okay? Jesus had a personality. And sometimes we forget that, right? These two guys are seeing Jesus For the first time, God in flesh, God himself for the very first time. And the first thing that Jesus says to them is, I love you, my precious little ones. No, Jesus turns around and goes, what do you guys want? (laughs) Don't you just love that? Jesus was a dude. He was a real guy with a personality, right? And if you had a couple people stalking you and following you, what would you say? What do you want, right? And that's what he says, what do you want? And they said, rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Essentially, they invite themselves over to, for dinner. <laughs> Jesus, being hospitable as he is, what does he say in verse 39? Come, he replied, and you will see. So here's some potential converts, and which of the extremes does Jesus fall into in evangelism? Neither. It's simply radical invitation. What does he say? Come and see. And where does that come from? It comes from a humble confidence of knowing what you're looking for, I have. I have. And you and I, as followers of Jesus, can share that humble confidence as well. We don't have to push it on people. Why burn that bridge? All you have to say is, come and see and hear about this man named Jesus. Step number one in evangelism. It's not about you. It never has been about you and how good you are and how long you've been coming to church and how good of a prayer partner you are and how much of the Bible you have memorized as any. It's not about you. Turn to your neighbor and with all love, look at him and say, neighbor, it's not about you. Tell him that this morning. It's not about you. It's not about you. Some of you married couples are like, thank you. I've been waiting for that opportunity. It's not about you, right? Jesus says, Come and be in relationship with me. The best sharing of our faith happens in the context of relationship, and Jesus models that. Yet, at the same time, I'm guessing, as the show of hands said earlier, a lot of you feel really uncomfortable with this. For the, certainly for the average Lutheran, but I think for the average Christian, if I had a show of hands and I said, who would like to get a root canal, and who would like to share their faith with their neighbor, okay? I'm guessing the dentist would win, Right? It's awkward, it's weird, and there are some barriers that you and I put up when it comes to sharing our faith. So let's just get practical for a second, okay? I could preach at you all day long, share your faith, share your faith, and some of you are like, no, okay? Let's talk about the barriers. Barrier number one, I think, is this. We're just not all that sure it's worth it. Let's just be honest. I don't know if you and I have grasped the idea of how important this is. And notice I said you and I. Because if anybody should be sharing their faith at this church, it should be me. And if I'm not doing that, I can't expect you to do it, right? We're all in this together. And sometimes I just don't know if it's worth it, but it's important to know when Jesus looked at those guys and said, come and see these potential disciples, I want you to know something. It was not primarily an invitation to a boring church service. They didn't exist yet, okay? It was not primarily an invitation to be a better or moral person. Some of you think that, The invitation to be a Christian is just to have more things to feel guilty about at the end of a wild weekend. It's not. It was not primarily an invitation to a classroom for a Bible study. When Jesus looked at those guys and said, come and see, it was an invitation to exchange their old sinful life for eternal life now and forever. It was an invitation to an all-in, all-out, reorientated life around things that matter and will actually satisfy your soul. Sometimes we forget when it comes to sharing our faith, we have what everybody is craving. And you see the craving in all the different things that we run to. Even Christians need to hear the gospel again and again and again because you and I run away and we run to all these other things thinking that they're going to fill us up. Whatever it is, even good things we run to to fill us up. But the invitation that we're offering people is the greatest news in the world. There's a reason the song is called Amazing Grace. Not here's some grace if you need it song. Or okay, mediocre grace. When's the last time that the good news of Jesus' love for you just wrecked you? When's the last time you were reading your Bible or you were in worship or you're praying and you just wept because of how good God is? And I'm not talking about the external things make you better or more holy. I'm talking about what's going in in here. When's the last time you stood in awe of God? Step one in sharing your faith, it's gotta be real in you before it can be real through you. Some of you are like, I gotta do all these things for God. No, you don't. You gotta let God do some things in you. When's the last time God just wrecked you? It's good news. I love that we shared this at our Alpha class uh, next week, which is still open. If you want to check that out, you can come. We're still taking people. uh, This afternoon at 3.15, we'd love to have you come. But I shared this quote from C.S. Lewis, who used to be an atheist, one of the greatest Christian authors of all time. And he says this, I love it. Christianity, if false, is of no importance. Duh. But if it's true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing that it cannot be (laughs) is moderately important. That's not even like spiritual thinking. That's just plain old rational thinking, right? This is why in the book of Revelation, God says, be hot or cold. The only thing, please, 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 as a Christian, don't be lukewarm. Don't be a halfway in Christian. Don't be, I'm going to dip my toes in the water. Because what the world sees is, no, it must not be that important then. It's just a little ritual you do on Sundays. You sing some songs, and you listen to a guy speak for a while, and then you go home as if nothing ever changed. It can't be moderately important. We're not playing church here. We are walking miracles. And if we learn anything from the early disciples in this story, as you read on in John chapter 1 with Jesus, inviting others into this is an absolute no-brainer. Look back at the story in verse 40. John chapter 1, verse 40, it says this. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said, like, minutes ago, and had followed Jesus. And then verse 41, the first thing, everybody say first thing. first thing. The first thing that Andrew did was to go get his theology straight and go to church and join the prayer team. And No, that's not. The first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him. It didn't even pass through Andrew's mind, oh, I gotta, I gotta rehearse this speech and I gotta have my Bible and, and take him through and invite Jesus into his heart and I gotta get it all right. The first thing, I have met somebody that has changed my life and I can't help but share it. This is who I am. And if you love people, you're gonna tell them about the life that can satisfy their soul. And his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. The first thing that he did So that's the first barrier. I think a lot of us are like, okay, John, okay, you've convinced me. It's worth it, right? It's worth it. But here's the second barrier when it comes to sharing with our neighbors and friends, and I hear this one more than anything else. John, I am so busy. you, You don't know my schedule. No, I don't. I know mine, and it's terrible, right? And so I'm right there with you. I feel that. And this would be the end of the story as long as we believe that sharing our faith is an event that we add on to our schedule. Like, I'm going to go evangelize to my neighbor at 4 o'clock this afternoon. As long as we think that sharing our faith is something that we add on to normal life versus something that's integrated into all of it. I love this. In Matthew 28, what's called the Great Commission, Jesus says, go and make disciples. Everybody say go. go. And that word go, when Jesus is giving us our mission as a church, that word go in the Greek The verbs are a little different. And so in English, we have past, present, and future tense verbs, right? In the Greek, there is a verb tense that is present and continuing, present and ongoing. And that's that word go, and it literally means in your going. This is really good news for us that are busy, for those of you that are super busy and worn out. Look at it this way. As long as we think that sharing our faith is something added on, we'll never do it. But if you imagine your life is that entire circle, and what we like to do, especially as Christians, is we like to divide it up like a pie. And we divide up these compartments of all the different areas of our lives. And we say, okay, well, yep, John, I've got uh, my family stuff, and that's really important to me, and that's good. Uh, I've got a lot of stuff that I do with my friends. I like to have a social life. Um, I, I, I'm a biker. I'm a runner. I do yoga, whatever it is. I have my hobbies a fishing or or woodworking, or whatever it is, I've got my hobbies, I've got all sorts of stuff, we've got sports, man, our kids are involved, you know, in activities, and things like that, I've got all sorts of stuff going on, and we fill it out, oh, you probably need to sleep, that's like half of your life anyway, right, so we have all these things in our lives, and then we go, oh, yeah, faith, I knew I forgot something, right, faith, church, and so we, we put in faith, and then we're like, oh, I didn't make it this week, but I'll try, if I can fit it in with all these other things. Whoops, I could spell church. Church. Oh, yeah. Church. And we forget that church is not an event. Church is who you are. And if you were to show the pie chart of your life to the Acts 2 church, they would laugh, not at you, but because that doesn't make sense to them. Instead, they would say that church and faith and all of that is not a piece of your pie. It is the entire thing because church is not an event that you attend. Church is who you are. Amen? Amen. And so the point of weekly worship and why that's so important is because what it does is that it impacts every single area of your life. I forgot to put work up there. Some of you go to work. That's a good thing too, right? (laughs) To tell you what I'm thinking about, sleep versus work, right? Every single area of your life. This is why I think Jesus challenge challenged to us today when it comes to sharing our faith. Be who you are, where you are. Be who you are, where you are. Jesus said in John chapter 17, my prayer is not that they, you would take them out of the world. In other words, folks, don't get stuck in a compartment. Faith is the entire thing. And so our prayer every day is, God, no matter where I am, I know that you're already working there. You're at the ball field and you're you're at my yoga place and you're at my friend's house and you're at the ball field and you're at the gym and you're at the grocery store and you're at my workplace and you're in the car on the way there and you're around my family dinner table and you're in that middle of that argument that you're going to have with your spouse this week. You're already there. And so the question of somebody that wants to be the church is, God, what are you doing, and how can I join you in that? Does that make sense? What are you doing, and how can I join you in that? So it's not a question of how busy you are. It's about being who you are, where you are. And that leads to the, leads to the next barriers. Like, some of you are like, great, John, I'm willing to do that. What do you say to people? Like, every time I try to share my faith at kind of comes out as this weird, like, sort of rehearsed speech, and I'm, but I'm then it just kind of get all mumble-jumbled. And if you you kind of freeze up and you get tense, if, if that's you, it's okay. You're not alone, because the skit guys are with you. And as you watch this, see if you've ever been in one of these positions. Take a look.
1: I'll be inside in a minute. I'm going to say hey to Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, Mike. Flower beds are looking good, neighbor. Yep. You guys should get back from church? Ah,
0: yeah, yeah, just been at the church house. I wonder why he never invites me to church. I mean, I'd go if he asked me to go. But this is the way it is. I'm out in my front yard when he comes home from church. It's always so awkward.
1: It's so awkward. And I'm so hungry. Ugh. I think my wife made goulash. I love goulash. Oh, maybe Joe would like some goulash for lunch.
0: Hey, Joe. Here comes the
1: invitation to church. Yeah. You wanna come over? For sure, I'd love to go to church with you. What'd you just say? What'd you just say? No, what? No, what'd you say? What'd no, you what say? What'd you say? You
0: said something about God. 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 Goo. Goo. Goo.
1: Goo. Goulash. 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 It's a. You're having goulash at your church? No, no, at my
0: house. You're having you're inviting me over for goulash. Yeah.
1: At your goulash. Yeah, who doesn't like goulash? i like some goulash. Yeah, sign me up. Goulash. Let's check and make sure we have enough.
0: I see you walking away. Okay, yeah, you can clap for that, absolutely. Yeah, can we just all agree? Let's not be those people, okay? Don't don't do that, okay? Don't do like, goo god, goo goulash, like no, no. And, and we laugh and we giggle at that. But the guy that he's inviting with the hat, like, here's what I think he was looking for: normalcy. Now I know with a group like this, that's not possible because none of you, none of us, are normal. But here's the thing: I think he was looking for a Christian. To be real. To be authentic. Hey, do you want to come to my church sometime? I would love to have you come. We're, we're somewhat normal if you come to Hope, I guess. Do, do you wanna, people are looking for a place to belong, they're looking for purpose. What if there was a better way to invite our friends and neighbors? And I believe that there absolutely is. What if I gave you two choices in uh, going home next week as you enter into your pie chart of life and everywhere that you're going? What if I gave you two choices? The first choice is this, to go convert three people or to go bless three people this week. Which of those sounds more appealing to you? Bless, right? Sounds a little bit less intrusive, but what we're going to find out is actually more biblical and is a little bit more relationally based. If you're familiar with this BLESS acronym, B-L-E-S-S, maybe you've taken our CORE class before, or a great plug to start CORE uh, tonight. If you want to go deeper in some of this, and how do I activate my faith and live this out, join us tonight uh, at 5 o'clock. But this would be a great thing, uh, if you are here with your family, to put it at the the center of your dinner table. Put B-L-E-S-S, and then what they stand for. Begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, Share your story. Put that on your your mirror in your your bedroom or before you go to bed at night or in your car or whatever it is. Put it somewhere you're going to see it. And I would challenge you every night at dinner when you're talking there with your family or spouse or whoever you're eating with, say, who have I blessed this week or who are you going to bless? What if every single one of us did one of these things each week? So what does it look like to share our faith? Be a blessing. It's who we're called to be. So number one, be it's begin with prayer. Everybody say prayer. Because here's the reality. God is the only one that can change people's hearts, not you. You can't reach inside your child's heart. You can't reach inside your spouse's heart, your neighbor, your coworker, and say, flip the switch on for Jesus. There's one person that can do that, and that's Jesus. And so the most important thing that you can do to share your faith or somebody that's not into this whole Jesus thing is pray. God's the one that can do that. And I want to challenge you to start each day as you go into your life This is a, you ready for a dangerous prayer? Be careful what you pray for sometimes because God answers it. Here's a dangerous prayer. God, interrupt my day. Not make my day. Interrupt my day. God, open my eyes. Bring this divine interruption. Bring people into my life that I can be the light to, that I can share the hope of Jesus with. God, open doors for me. And then come back to prayer in the course of relationship. As you're talking with people and a coworker sharing something with you, I mean, don't get arrested or anything like that. But in the the context of relationship, say, could I pray about that for you? Because what they're going to think, they're they're probably going to know you're a Christian or something like that. And they'll get that Christianese answer that says, I'll be praying for you. Okay, great. What does that mean? Every time that I have looked at somebody, they don't know that I'm a pastor. I'm just John that lives here in Des Moines. And I say, can I? I've prayed for people at the grocery store. It's kind of weird. But I do it. I say, can I pray for you right now? And they're like genuinely shocked that a Christian would actually slow down and take the time to do that. Can I pray for you right now? Never hurts to ask somebody. That's begin with prayer. Number two, the L is listen. Everybody say listen. I want you to listen to me for a second. Somewhere along the line, someone looked you in the eyes and listened to you. And I don't just mean listened, but they understood. And for the first time, you're like, they get me. Think about that time in your life, that person right now. That's the gift that we can give to a culture that has lost the art of listening. We are way more interested, and I have nothing against social media. There are so many good things about it. But one of the things that we have done is we we have become obsessed with getting other people to be interested in us. And maybe one of the most effective ways to share our faith is not to point to us and get more people interested in us, but to be the type of people that are extremely interested in other people to look them in the eyes and give somebody the time of day and listen, not while they're sharing, you're thinking of what you're going to respond with and how you're going to correct them, but like, wow. Sit in their shoes. Listen to them. Sit with them. You want to know what the good news looks like for people? Listen, the guy that invented the stethoscope when he was teaching teaching, his doctors and nurses to use the stethoscope, he says, use this tool to listen to your patients. And if you listen well, they will tell you how to heal them. Maybe the reason that we're not connecting with people is because we're doing all the talking as Christians and people long to be heard. That's the greatest gift. And that's not complicated. We can all do that. Listen to their pain, listen to their story, and they will tell you, how Jesus can heal them. The next one, the E, is eat. Everybody say eat. Eat. This is my favorite one because it's easy. Eat. an invite to church might start with an invite to your dinner table. An invitation to church might start with an invitation to coffee. Some of you are like, I don't want to invite them to church, right? It's weird, right? Okay, get coffee with them. Invite them over for dinner. Do you know your neighbor's names, first of all? It's really hard to love your neighbor when you don't know your neighbor, Right? Invite them over for dinner. Have a barbecue in the backyard. Invite them over to your front porch, whatever it is. And why eating? Because eating slows us down, and it's really people hard to love people in a hurry. Love takes time. Relationships take time. And in Jesus' day, when you invite somebody over for dinner, it was actually a sign of friendship. That's why Jesus partied all the time. Because <laughs> he said, I'm your friend. Even sinners, I'm your friend. I'm for you. I love you. Of course i'll come to your party jesus partied all the time dinner it meant friendship you can't love people in a rush that's the e of bless eat the first s is serve everybody say serve. serve serve if you listen to people and you eat with people they will tell you how to love them and how to serve them you want to break down barriers with family members that don't know jesus you want to break down barriers with coworkers and neighbors that want nothing to do with the church serve their socks off to the point where they look at you and say, why are you so good to me? And you haven't said anything, but your actions speak way louder than your words ever will, especially as Christians. In a world that's listening to Christians just do this all day long, Let's activate our faith. Let's be the types of people that bring car seats to the local police department. And when a single mom with kids gets pulled over and she goes, oh, no, I'm going to pay the ticket because I don't have the right car seat because I can't afford it, the cop can say, well, guess what? It's not judgment for you today, ma'am. It's grace because there's a church here in town that thought, wow, why don't we just bless people with no agenda? Because when you have an agenda, it's not love anymore, right? Right? There's a church here in town that brought thousands of car seats in for no other reason than because we love people. And we've got a free car seat to give you. Serve people because it's really hard to argue with somebody when they're serving you. It's really hard to argue with somebody when they're serving you. That's the first S, serve. And the last S is story. When the time is right, God will provide the opportunity for you to tell your story and to hear their story. Everybody has a story. You have a story, and it's not complicated. If your testimony, if your story of how you came to faith is longer than five minutes, and you're trying to share it with somebody, it's got to be shorter. You're going to lose their attention, and this is coming from somebody that has a hard time keeping people's attention for a while, okay? So let me tell you, okay? Three things to your story. This is who I was, this is what God did, and this is who I am now. Simple. Not complicated. This is who I was. This is what God did. And this is who I am now. 1 Peter chapter 3.15. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. Do you know the gospel? Do you know the story of Jesus? If not, come to Alpha tonight. We're talking about who is Jesus. <laughs> come to CORE tonight. We're talking about how to follow Jesus in everyday life. Come. You're invited. This is your official invitation. Are you prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have? And here's what I'll do. When I'm talking to people... And I I don't say I'm the pastor of the church and I preach every week and say, hey, I'm John. I'm a part of this church down in Ingersoll. Hope, oh, I didn't know Hope had a campus down in Ingersoll. Yeah, we do. And and then we just start talking. You're like, well, I don't really like Christians. Okay, well, I don't really like Jesus. I I think it's just kind of a bunch of hog. Okay, you know what I do? I stop arguing with people. And what I do, Jesus is really good at this. He told stories. You know why? Because stories change people. They, they engage our heart, and that's what he's trying to get to. And I just said, can I, can I tell you about this couple that was at our church, and their marriage was on the rocks? And it's like Jesus just intervened, and they put Jesus in the middle, and he healed their marriage. Can I tell you about this, this young couple in their 20s that was so excited to have their first baby, and then they had a miscarriage? And, and God brought a group of Christians, yes, Christians, in their small group around them and loved them through that painful time. Can I tell you about the, 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 the young businessman who's, instead of being all about money and climbing the ladder, is mentoring younger men at work and feels a sense of purpose for the first time? I just start telling stories and it breaks down walls and I, it's transformation and I think that's what everybody's looking for anyway, right? Nobody wakes up in the morning and said, what I need in my soul is a church service. I think everybody, whether they say it out loud, wakes up in the morning and say, what I'm craving in my soul is something bigger. They're craving Jesus. They just can't put it on their lips yet. And we have the answer. What would it look like for you and your family, B-L-E-S-S, to bless somebody every week, to live that out every single day and and then tell stories about that? Some of you are like, John, that's cute. That's a great acronym and everything like that. But what does it actually look lived out in everyday day? Well, I want to introduce you to McKenna Hassie. She's a 21-year-old student at Drake that's a part of our HOPE community. And I want to tell you her HOPE story today. Well, she's going to tell her HOPE story. And unlike a lot of 21-year-olds, she just happens to be a professional race car driver. I know, right? And she's been doing this since she was young, and she has been climbing the ranks of a typically male-dominated sport, And yet she's there and she's following the call that God has put on your life. And what might surprise you as she shares, shares her story, she's discovered the deeper reason that God has placed her in that compartment that she has of the racing world, a typical world where Jesus isn't necessarily always lifted up, but there she is being the light in the darkness. And so as you listen to McKenna, enjoy her hope story of bringing good news right where she is. Take a look.
1: I think racing is my purpose in life and I love to go fast and I love to drive race cars and that's what I love to do. But I want to use that to lead other people to Christ and I think God knows that. And I want to use like I want to have a voice and I want to have a platform and I think that racing's the medium. I think I'm tying in what I love to do and my purpose in life to give others a purpose and help them find their purpose and help them find God. I go fast because I love to go fast. I'm successful on the track because it's what I love to do. Evil doesn't propel me towards anything, good does, towards a greater purpose. And so I'm not going fast because of them, because of something somebody said. I'm going fast because it's what I love to do. And I think that's how everybody should live their life, you know, is like they shouldn't always just be trying to run from evil. They should be running towards good. I want when people look to me um, to look to him. Like I want. Um, that when people see what I'm doing, like I don't want them to idolize me, but I want them to see the ways that God's moving in my life and that he's using that for good. And and I want that, that to inspire them, whether they know it or not. Compass Racing Development is a youth driver development program for youth race car drivers that was originally designed to give a child the opportunity to race that wouldn't receive one otherwise. I think God uses everything for good and he can. And I think that's what he's done with Compass. And a compass, doesn't do the work for you. It only points you in the right direction. And I think that's my goal with Compass, is to just plant the seed that points these kids in the right direction, both in their racing careers um, or otherwise, whatever they want to do with their lives, but also towards God. I started coming to Hope, just to their services, and like shortly after, right after, was VBS, right after. And I'm like, honestly, I bet I'd only been here like once and it was probably when they were advertising. I'm like, man, my kids need to go to this. Like, that looks so cool. So I signed them up and it was hilarious because I'm like, you know, I'm kind of like that embarrassing parent to them, you know? And so I roll up, you know, and I'm like, all right, kids, get in the van, you know, we're going to, we're going to church. And they're like, what, you know? And we bring them out here and they had a blast. Like they had a blast. I took 500 million embarrassing photos and uh, posted it all over our racing pages and stuff. And. Oh man like I was just ecstatic that they were coming and they had a really great time God is light and I think the the Holy Spirit lives inside of us like a light and I know that everybody has a little bit of light in them and I think in my sport and with what I've been through sometimes it's hard to believe that everybody has light in them because sometimes it seems like all you can see is darkness but I know that everybody has a light in them and I know that God's the only one that can bring that out and so I think and when it comes to making a positive difference in the world and spreading light, the only way you can do that is through the one who provides the light. I just had a Bible study with my fans the other night at the Hall of Fame um, at Knoxville, and which was amazing. Like, what a cooler setting looking out over that racetrack, which was really cool. Honestly, eight years ago in my career, like, no, I would have not been that bold, um, you know, in my faith but I think that God's timing is perfect and I think um, that I've slowly seen it more and more integrated into the community. I don't wanna lead a life of length, I wanna lead a life of significance and I guess that's for God to decide, you know? But that's what I want, is I wanna make the most of every second of every minute of every hour of every day and I wanna look back on life and never wish to do it over again because I know that I lived it to the fullest the first time and the only time. I want to make it to NASCAR. I want to be a NASCAR driver, and, and I want to lead people to Christ. I guess it's that simple.
0: So there's two things that I love about McKenna's story. Number one, she is 21. What were you doing when you were 21? She is a professional race car driver, started a nonprofit organization, and is leading people to Christ at Knoxville Raceway. I was figuring out what to do with my life, I think. She's 21, and she, you hear what she said? I don't want to lead a, a life of length. I want to lead a life of significance. She is out there in a typically male-dominated. Every time I watch that, I've seen it a few times now, I just want to go, you go, girl. Like, go get it. Like more power to you. In a typically male-dominated sport, she's saying there is something bigger than racing. There's something bigger than what this world has to offer. What's stopping you? She's 21. What's stopping you? What's getting in the way? Make the most of every opportunity, Colossians says. And number two, what I love is that she's demonstrating the power of being who you are where you are with her platform? I mean, would you believe that God wants to use the things that you already do and the places you already are, the things that you love, God is not asking you to be somebody different. He made you. You're the only you we have, so be you. And God wants to use the things that you love to bring glory to him, for you to expand his kingdom. Colossians, Paul says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. McKenna's platform is racing. What's your platform? Where has God placed you? Who are the people that he's put around you? And I will tell you this, it starts under your own roof. If your faith doesn't work at home, don't export it. It starts at home. Do the people that you live with know who the most important person in your life is? The person that's radically changed your life. So I don't know what that looks like this week. Maybe it starts with B-L-E-S-S, by blessing somebody. Maybe it starts by bringing a car seat or making a a donation back there today. It's time for the church to be the church. It's time for us to stay out of that ditch and stay out of that ditch. We're not going to be some passive, judgmental people. We're not going to be silent either because we have the greatest news in the world. And if you need to hear it again, for God so loved the world that he gave you his one and only son. The greatest news in the world is that there is a God that loves you with a love that is more powerful than any other force in the universe. And that we don't receive that love by being good enough or moral enough or religious enough. You receive it enough because not how good you are, but because of how good God is. And he's extending you this gift today to join the movement, to be a part of the church, to not show up for a church service, to go be the church. This is the beginning. So go to the racetracks and your schools and the ball fields and of your family dinner table and extend the life-changing love of Jesus Christ to a world that desperately needs it. Amen? Let's not talk about it. Let's sing about it. Let's stand and let's worship together. Let's let it be known.